1: KDOW. kdow streaming now on smart speakers and radio.com the views and opinions expressed by rob black and his guests are not necessarily those of kdow or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision News and Market Commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's Business Leader, 1220 KDOW.
2: Good day. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Been kind of a hairy two days, huh? Two or three days? What's going to happen today? I need to know. Over the last four days, the SP 500 has plunged 258 points, 7.6%. Most of that came in the last two days. Damage has been similar to the NASDAQ and the Dow Jones Industrial Average is 30. The catalyst, of course, is the coronavirus creeping, sneaking, getting out of China. And uh, getting into new areas like Italy and South Korea. In a bigly kind of way. We're all going to thank Donald Trump one day for coming up with the word bigly. Because that's exactly what I was trying to think of. And I didn't know the word until just a few years ago. There was an additive fear yesterday. Instead of just coronavirus outside of China. Instead of coronavirus in South Korea. Instead of coronavirus in Italy. It's the U.S. is not going to be a man. A lot of headlines came out yesterday saying, how can you get ready in America? What should you do to be prepared? Investments in case coronavirus comes to America. A lot of headlines out there yesterday. And that's the fear. As long as it's not in my backyard, it's Okay. There's still very few reported cases in the United States. Yet the way it rapidly escalated in China and South Korea, we're like, "Ooh, this thing's infectious. So there's a little bit of angst. I have a little bit of it. And some of it's I don't want to say it's racially motivated, but the not in my backyard, as long as it's over in Asia, I'm fine with that. But when it comes to my, like, I'm, I got a little angst. I know I shouldn't have angst, but there's a little bit of angst when you see all those headlines. So maybe a little angst will lead some Americans, Californians, others, to start talking to each other and go, what do you think? I don't know. Do you think this is going to be a bad thing? Well, I heard, like, only old people are dying. Well, if only old people are dying, I'm 50. What does that make me? Am I old? Am I, is 40 old? It's, what's old? How about children. Sometimes it's children and old people who die, mm-hmm. and that's where it gets into. Well, I'm not going to send my kids off to that birthday party at that filthy, dirty gym that's got all these germs. That it was fine two weeks ago, but now that there's the coronavirus, may come to the United States. And suddenly, the gym's not getting in business. Ten-year Treasury was in trouble yesterday. By trouble, I mean like just diving, diving lower. Like. um A summary, dive, 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 dive. It's still at 1.36%. So as I said yesterday, I'll say it again today. If you have any mortgages around that 4% level that have 10 plus 15, 20 years on them, I'd consider it. If there's a down move in the economy, you'll have less cash flow that you have to send to the bank. I know you're saying, but there's cost involved. You will usually recoup the cost within a year. Well, I want a no cost one. Well, if you do a no-cost one, you're probably going to pay higher fees, so don't do it in the first place. Starbucks is adding Beyond Meat to its menu in Canada. Oh, Canada. That's as much of the national anthem that I know, and I think that's all that we have to know. According to our school books in 10th grade. You brave and prosperous land. Starbucks has jumped in the plant-based food craze. Beyond Meat, ticker symbol BYND, that's up 4% today on that news, sitting at 114, well off its all-time highs of 220-plus, but well above its IPO of 25 last year. Starbucks has over 1,400 Canadian stores, and you can go in and you can say, hey, I'd like a good day, eh? I'd like a Beyond Meat Sausage Patty, eh? And they'll go, good day, eh? Cool, 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 cool. Take off, you hoser. And the next thing you know, you have a breakfast sausage patty. That has no meat in it, but has a lot of salts and other things in it. So the coffee giant Starbucks said that its customers had asked for alternative milks and plant-based options. So this is happening. This is a thing in America. We're expanding menus across restaurants, across regions, across the country. The thing that we're adding is plant-based and vegetarian options. And uh, I don't know if it's good or bad. I don't have a social commentary on it. I just can tell you, I don't think it goes away. Last year, it was Dunkin'. Don't call me Dunkin' Donuts. We changed our name to Dunkin'. Are you sponsored by Tim Duncan? No. Dunkin', without a G. You can actually buy that stock. It's kind of the In-N-Out burger of coffee on the East Coast. People love it, and they travel for it. It's not quite In-N-Out, because that's a bad comparison, but close. Dunkin' stepped up last year with Beyond Meat sandwich. It's now served nationwide, so you kind of have to assume that what happens in Canada could cause Starbucks to push it out across the United States. That would be a bigger press release duncan's peppery meat offering peppery plant-based sausage oh you don't even want to see how the sausage is made do you remember that 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 old phrase cfp chad burton's told this story a hundred times on air that one of the funniest things not it's not even funny one of the saddest things he's seen a family fight about is the sausage maker in the hunting cabin so you go hunting you kill a couple animals and you throw them in the sausage maker and you make sausage and That, to me, just sounds like E. coli everywhere. With that said, that's a good lesson to come out of this first segment today. If you have something that you want someone to have, give it to them. Or write it down in a will or a trust that they get it. I've seen all too often. I was a mama's boy. And, um, you know, when my dad died, I didn't, like, 25 years ago, go back to my childhood house and say, I want that, 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 that. I'm not that guy. But I did ask my mom. I said, you know, since I was a mama's boy, I wasn't really a daddy's boy. Like, I could have got my dad's suits. The only thing I took of my dad was his cologne. Um, in large part, it's something I smelled every day. And it was kind of like him. So that was Aramis. I think that was Aramis. Um, and they still make it today, but you have to like get it from overseas markets or something like that. But that's totally off topic. So I asked my mom. I said, can I get the rocking chair? She had a rocking chair. I don't know, isn't that 1950s family? My mom sat in a rocking chair. She rocked a lot of babies, six babies in it. I said, I want your rocking chair and I want your frying pan. So when my mom was two and a half, three, her father died. So her mother had to go to work at a parachute factory, making parachutes, and her and her sister cooked every day for her mother. So I asked for it. The lesson here is, is that if Duncan's is a sausage maker... And beyond meets the big story of the day. That's kind of like not the story. The big story of the day is that we're getting a little bit of rebound. But if you want something or if you want your kid to have something, write it down or give it to them. Let them enjoy it while you're alive. My mom got to see me take that rocking chair and send pictures to her of it. Like, that's awesome, right? And it's just a nice memory every time I say it. So, anyhow, anyway, I am digressing. I'm Rob Black talking to all things financial. Money investing and more. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter at Rob Black Show. You can also get some great downloadables that will teach you about financial planning at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com.
0: Maybe just a hot chocolate.
1: Making financial sense of your portfolio. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW.
2: I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. I live in a very expensive part of the world. It's kind of funny because it didn't dawn on me when it was brought up at one point in time. A friend of mine, is she was brought up uh, very blue-collar. Her father was a butcher, and um, she goes, I'm not paying $20 for chicken parm. I'm like, okay. You're you're being tightwad. I got it. But then I see hamburgers now, $16, $17. I'm like, I'm not paying $17 for a hamburger. There's one restaurant in my town that sells like a French dip, which to me, French dip kind of stands for the steak that didn't sell the night before. We grind it up and turn it into French dip. Like $18. Wow. But it, I bring that up in large part because the, the next thought jumps out. I live in an expensive part of the air, uh, world. I signed up for that. Credit cards may be a helpful tool for consumers. Yes. Keep going. Large number of families fall back on credit cards out of necessity. Listen to this. 69% of families with children. 69 percent of families with the children say that they make sacrifices to keep up with their medical expenses. 37% of families rely on credit cards to pay their bills and deal with the aftermath. Now I'm no rocket scientist. I already said I live in an expensive area. I know that I'm throwing money down the drain. It comes back on the other side of income. You can control a couple things, your income, spending, and saving. Now, the spending, I, I like the idea of saying no to $20 chicken parms, $18 hamburgers. I could probably do the same exact thing. Sit, have a glass of wine, and watch a little television at the home. All of which, that may be the, the, the coronavirus play that you want to get ahead of. Things like Netflix and Disney+. Plus if you think and there are people out there i know you're out there that the coronavirus is going to hit the united states and it's going to hit the united states hard it's going to hit the california's going to i know there's people who assume the worst and that's not a bad thing i'm not knocking you but if you want to change your portfolio for basically staycationing and you would like say i'm not going i'm going to short movie theaters cuz in my neighborhood no one's going to go to movies cuz they're all afraid of each other Or you go with long a Netflix, or you go long a Hulu, Disney. Um, Do you see where I'm going at with that? So there's ways to benefit if that's your thing. Uh, If you could invest in like a DoorDash or not a Groupon, but you get the idea, GrubHub. But then, what if that guy who's cooking my dinner sneezes on it, puts it in a box, and sends it to me? I get coronavirus. Yeah, there's there's really no way about running it. But there was a big play after 9-11 of people not wanting to fly and people not wanting to go out and shop. They were afraid. So there's there are small investments inside of disasters. And if that's the way you want to play, I don't know. Um, credit cards are a great way to earn money. But I just said that one-third of families... Are relying on credit cards to pay their bills, that's not good. And the next thing out of my mouth is credit cards are a great way to earn rewards. Rewards are kind of like faux money. They're kind of like digital money, right? So I like to maximize my rewards as much as possible. But utilization is important to me too. Utilization speaks to the amount of available credit you use at once. And uh, a ratio of anything above 30% is harmful to your credit score. If you check out the website or the app, excuse me, there's a website too, but that's so 1999 of me. Um, credit Karma has, good, has a pretty good app. I would say that every American over 20 should have Credit Karma on their phone. I'm okay with that. Um, and it gives, it's a nice way of showing you where you are with how much debt you have it finds your debt. And it doesn't find it all. Like I've got a business property that it doesn't know about. But that's also not registered under my name. Credit cards are a great way to earn rewards. But again, if you're using them too much over 30%, I keep my utilization right around 8%. um, And then I pay it off every month. I keep the balances, you know, so that I'm not accruing interest. Credit cards aren't bad. Credit cards aren't evil. When I was 20, I thought credit cards were evil. And it, it shows you that isn't? Aren't you glad you get smarter as you get older? Mastercard and Visa recommends American Express. Um, what did I? What am I trying to say? Mastercard and Visa. Oh, um, I would say there's four credit card players: Capital One, four obvious ones in everyone's mind. Capital One, American Express, Visa, and Mastercard. Now, Visa and Mastercard aren't really credit card companies. Aren't really credit companies? They're processing companies. They're not lending you the money. They're not the bank. They're, li- they're licensing their technology to the bank. If you go bankrupt, Visa doesn't go bankrupt. If you go bankrupt, MasterCard doesn't go bankrupt. Um, that is what it is. So enough on credit cards. But um, credit karma. Credit karma. And you know what I like doing about credit karma? Let's say I go get a $20 chicken parm sandwich today. With fries, sweet potato because I'm being healthy. <laughs> the trans fats that they're cooked in, I'm not worried about. Um, while I'm doing lunch, and I'm spending too much money for it, I could take a look at all my debt. I could take a look at things that I'm, I'm I owe money to, my creditors. And credit karma does a nice job of that. It's a little bit late to update. So, like if you send in a payment, it's maybe two or three days late sometimes. But I can pull mine out right now and tell you generally, you know, how I'm doing on paying my bills, how I'm doing on. So credit karma is good. Credit karma is good. As far as apps go. And again, that's just a little bit of financial education. If you walk away from the show, if I die of a massive heart attack right now, I want someone to have walked away. Saying things along the lines of, well, my kid got credit karma and that's a good thing. Or it could be even more complex ideas of you know stretch iras or mega Roth backdoors. Mega Roth backdoor, door, door, door. So you get the idea, right? Uh, I want you to learn one or two things. Starbucks do it beyond meat. That's a for real trend. Plant-based foods. Plant-based proteins. Plant-based foods, of course. Until we learn that suddenly when you harvest plants, that they scream and cry because we can catch it on a radio wave. Bob Iger stepping down at Disney. Whoa! I love Bob Iger. I think he's taking Disney to the 21st century. I think Disney is not the greatest company in the world. I think they charge too much. I I think they, I'm not going to say they prey upon kids. But man, are they they closely tied into children, right? Disney's Bob Iger said, I'm stepping down. Don't want to run the company anymore. He's long-tenured, 20 years. He's done 81 earnings calls. Those get a little bit dull. 20 years is a long time. Um, He's going to become... Bob Chapek is going to become CEO. He's been running Disney Parks, but he's 60. What's interesting about that is I kind of wish it was someone a little bit younger because I would like to get 10 to 20 years out of Bob Chapek if he's good. Because anytime there's transition, you have to reevaluate. Maybe Chapek's going to say, you know, I hate the movies. I hate Pixar. We're going to sell Pixar. We don't know. So... Anyhow, and anyway, you can find me online at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com.
1: Your comments and questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW.
2: So yesterday was one, an interesting day. We started talking about how many thousand point down days has the Dow Jones ever had. I think we were up to three at that point doesn't mean as much because it's a bigger number. The Dow Jones, when it's at 25,000, a 1,000-point drop is 4%, right? But when it's at 10,000, it's a 10% drop. So it's all relative to where you're starting from. Will we go up a 1,000 points day, today? <laughs> That's a big question, right? Uh, let's talk to Patrick O'Hare. Will we get the rebound? Do we get the dead cat bounce? Do we get the buy on the dip? Patrick O'Hare from briefing.com here to answer that question. How are you, Mr. O'Hare?
3: Hey, good morning, Rob. I'm doing well, thank you. Now, in terms
2: since of, we lost a thousand, do you want in me to <laughs> Yes. Go
3: ahead. <laughs> um, I, I I think uh, the best uh, guess here is that yeah, you do see uh, you know a bounce here off of this short-term oversold condition. Uh, obviously, the question is uh, both in terms of magnitude and sustainability. So, I don't think we're going to get the thousand points uh, back right away. Um, and in terms of the sustainability, um, uh, that's, that's still very much an open question. And then I think it's going to hinge in large part on what, uh, what unfolds in the treasury market of all
0: places.
2: I was reading your page one this morning, as I do every day, Monday through Friday at briefing.com. I've been using briefing.com. It's the only financial media service I've been using for 20 plus years. Um, I saw something that jumped out and I, I want to ask you. You mentioned something about a 200-day moving average and a 50-day moving average, a 100-day moving average as well. There's listeners and there's readers out there of briefing.com. Talk to us a little bit more about moving averages and how much faith you put in them versus how much scientific fact, if that makes any sense.
3: Right. Well, there was. Uh, I do have to give some credit to uh, to Bob Pisani on CNBC. You know, I he, he he brought out a good uh, adage yesterday that you know when the stock market doesn't know what's going on fundamentally, it, it tends to uh, trade technically. Um, and and I say that because I have to issue the caveat: I'm not a technical analyst, but obviously there are. Plenty of people and market participants who do use technicals as their their guidepost in terms of how they're going to approach the market, and you know a two hundred day moving average is, is just that in terms of you know what the average price is over that two hundred day period, and uh, and the reason it's been uh, identified really as a quote key technical support level is that for many for quite some time here it's it's, um, uh, it, it's provided. Some important support on some important pullbacks in the market, um, and uh, and you know because it's a, a longer term trend indicator, when it gets violated on a closing basis, it does raise some concerns that uh, that there's a real trend shift taking place within the in the market that could invite a you know deeper and more long lasting corrective move. Uh, if not even give way to an actual bear market so so these these levels are are watched closely uh, and um, you know in the two hundred days still intact here we didn't come down and, and test it, which is right around three thousand forty five on the s and p five hundred but some people think to get a sense of uh, the conviction of any rebound effort and to get a better sense that the a rebound effort would have subs- sustainability is that you'd have to come down and test that 200-day moving average. So uh, we haven't done that. Uh, We may not, but it's certainly a a key level that um, plenty of technicians have their eye on right now.
2: Sounds good. Um, The way I'm trying to explain it on television, I get a lot of, I'm not going to say simple questions. I get a lot of simple questions. They say something along the lines of like, well, does this mean we should buy and I go well. If there's coronavirus death in the United States tomorrow, we're down another thousand. So it's, I want to say it definitively means to buy. I, I see it more as an art, and it's it's tough to put a finger on. Is that is that fair?
3: Uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's I think that's a, a fair characterization. And I think right now, when people you know struggle with that question, it's you know a lot of people frame it uh, to. To me, in terms of you know what individual stock should I be buying right now, and and I think it's really not uh, so much a case of thinking in terms of individual stocks so much as it's a case of thinking of portfolio construction, you know, um, and you know taking a, a bigger picture look at things. And is your portfolio diversified enough to to mitigate the risk of outsized losses when you get into a fast market like the one we've seen over the last several sessions? You know, um, is it insulated against a uh, potential recession unfolding, uh, you know, in, you know, how is it balanced relative stocks versus bonds, cash, gold, and, and whatnot. And that's really the, I think the bigger question that, you know, people need to be taking account of right now. And it's, and it's going to be different obviously based on one's time horizon, risk tolerances, uh, et cetera. So you can't, there's not a, a good uniform answer to the question. I think that, you know, you can generically say, uh, and you've got enough historical experience to fall back on. That if you have a, a longer term investment mindset, you're talking, you know, ten plus years. You know, it, it makes sense to keep dollar cost averaging uh, in, you know, in markets like this, and and it's you know likely to prove uh, profitable in the end. So, just a lot depends, and there's a lot uh, wrapped up in a question like that.
2: And I'll throw on what you just talked about: keeping money going into your 401ks and dollar cost averaging every year plays out different some year it starts hot ends cold some year it starts cold ends hot some years it's up and down up and down up and down some years it's three months down nine months up so it seems like we're playing into just keep dollar cost averaging again let's change topics um you talked a little bit about disney having a new ceo and i'm working on that today because i own shares of disney um any thoughts on success or failure starts at the top and disney and what a wonderful, what a wonderful company. That's the wonderful world of Disney. What a wonderful world Disney's been for you and me, Mr. O'Hare, since we were children. We've known this company for a long time.
3: Thoughts? Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, you know, I, th- I think think the initial announcement, you know, certainly came as, as a, sh- a bit of a shock. Um, but I think, you know, one of the, the strongest mitigating factors right now is, that, uh, well, Mr. Iger, who's just done a, You know, fabulous job as CEO there. Um, He's not he's not exiting stage left, so to speak. I mean, he's he's hanging around still uh, in a creative role. And 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 incidentally, and perhaps very tellingly, um, the new CEO Bob Chapek is he's actually going to be reporting to Mr. Iger. So, um, you know, Mr. Iger's not leaving for another twenty two months. And and I think it's been somewhat comforting to know that. Uh, he's still going to have a presence here while in this, uh, I guess you could call it a transitional period in, with a new CEO. Um, so the stock you know, is down a little bit today. But when you think of someone that has the stature of Mr. Iger and what he's done to elevate that company into a media powerhouse as well as a enter- continued entertainment powerhouse, um, the fact that the stock's down less than 1%. Today I think you know underscores that that modicum of relief that it's not just you know Mr. Chapic taking over immediately and Mr. Iger's out the door um, and Mr. Iger's still part of it and will still you know be able to provide his own uh, insight and wisdom to uh, to his successor to hopefully uh, you know keep the momentum going in Disney's really impressive story. I'll
2: give the last two minutes to you to talk about whatever you want to talk about or whatever you're working on. Ball is in your court Mr. O'Hare.
3: Right. Well, I, you know, I, of course, everyone is talking about the coronavirus and, and there's, there's no way around it right now, certainly as a market analyst. And, um, and I think it is a, you know, you're in an interesting juxtaposition here because, um, you know, what you've, uh, or intersection, I should say, um, is, is that, you know, you have a, a market that's getting increasingly anxious about this idea that the, the virus is going to spread globally to a pandemic and that you might have similar lockdown effects. Hitting in other major developed areas, namely the United States and Europe, uh, that you saw take place in China, and what that will ultimately lead to, if that does prove to be the case, is certainly a downturn in consumer and business spending that's going to force the market to obviously rethink its whole earnings outlook. And and I think that's what's been behind this multiple compression of late here is because there is some of that fear building that this might be a deeper and longer lasting earnings impact than previously thought. So my big picture this week is going to concentrate on that idea and take stock of what earnings estimates are right now and where they may be headed.
2: Thanks very much. Have a good day. Good luck with your trading. Uh, Talking with Patrick O'Hare at briefing.com. I start my day every day with this column. One of the things that it does is it kind of gives you some perspective. I think that helps enormously. If that's not your cup of tea, there's the big picture. Big picture is going to be doing analysis of major issues impacting the financial markets like the 10-year treasury note. Um, That's at briefing.com. They show a really nice set of charts in the big picture. They say, okay, 10-year treasury's gone from 1.6 to 1.4. Gold futures are going from, gold prices are going from 1, 1,200 to 1,600. The dollar's going from strong to weaker, back to strong. And it kind of helps you saying, okay, what's this all mean? And they're trying to give you the big picture, pull it all together. Um, they'll put Tesla and Virgin Galactic side by side. And we take a look at their charts. They look exactly the same. It's as if we were in a ghost movie on Netflix or something like that. And they're like, you see anything in these two pictures? The picture of Tesla stock and the picture of of Virgin Galactic stock chart? You You see anything? And someone goes, oh my God, it's the same chart. It's parabolic. So I feel that the market has some issues. And I think Briefing's doing a nice job of pointing that out to me. They're saying things like Apple, Microsoft, Alphabet, Amazon. They're overcrowded. They're overbought. They're overvalued. And then you get parabolics, you know, sector like Tesla and Virgin Galactic going. And it shows you that, you know, the setback that we've had this week in the stock market. It's coming on the back of just unbelievable moves in the stock market. So the coronavirus should be scary because things were good at the party and don't take away the punch bowl. You can find briefing.com at briefing.com. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing and more. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money investing in more. This is AJR. This is a band I found last year. I'm a little late to the party. But catchy music. I spend a lot of time reading and researching and my my one guilty joy. It's not TV, it's not sitcoms. It's listening to music. What I like about this band is they're young, three brothers from New York. And that gives me hope. Like, kids today are pretty smart. They're counting beats per minute in the song. They're counting words per minute. Very scientific approach. Very mathematical approach to music. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. One stock, not stock, one concept I want to talk about, because I haven't talked about it in a while, is video games. Fortnite made $1.8 billion last year. Good news or bad news? That's a lot of money. We don't know their cost of revenue, their cost of labor. There's, there's costs involved with pulling that kind of money in. You've got to rent servers. You've got to have computers for your employees. Fortnite draws in more players, viewers, and money than most other online games. They've had their most popular player, Tyler Ninja Blevins. He was on The Masked Singer and Jimmy Kimmel this year. That's kinda of telling you that it's getting kind of um mainstream. It's got an NFL partnership, it has its own toys. Do you remember the magic of toys when you were a child? You so badly, badly wanted I don't know. A Hulk Hogan doll or a stretch the magnificent doll and You're like stretch the doll, like yeah, you could Get your brother and you get in different rooms and try to break his arms by pulling them. They're all rubberized. Toys used to be magical. I wonder if they still are because Fortnite sells toys. One point eight billion dollars of revenue last year. It's a free to play game, and that's where you scratch your head and you go, "What do you mean free to play?" So you got to start seeing the business model in it. And this is a business. This is something you can teach your kid today. You many dads I meet that are impressed that I play video games with my kids. They're like, "Whoa." I don't like, well, I get a monitor it, and I get to talk about the business model. You know, do you want to pay 60 bucks for a one-time game? Nope. Do you want to play free, but then you have to pay for other things and other people? Do you, then you have to keep up with the Joneses, what they're buying? No. Nope. Season two, chapter two, kicked off, I want to say about a week ago. Yep. It added a secret agent theme and cameo from uh, Marvel's... Marvel's Deadpool? So Deadpool's gonna be part of the season this year. they put a lot of money into the... Not a lot of money, I don't know. They've put a lot of effort into the secret agent theme. But, even with all that, the momentum is starting to wane. So once you get your top player Ninja on The Mass Singer, maybe you've hit a peak. Once you get Deadpool, maybe you're starting to stretch and say... We need new skins and new ideas that are going to relate to people. Now, Deadpool's a rated-R movie. They also just had some skins from Harley Quinn, The Birds of Prey. And that's a rated-R movie. And last year, one of their big crossovers, well, obviously Star Wars, but also John Wick, where you can get a character that looks just like John Wick for $10. And all it is is a digital cartoon that you get to play with, right? An avatar. We all saw the movie Avatar. Dude was in a wheelchair, but on the planet, he was super powerful. Same concept. Nine-year-old kid could look like Hulk Hogan. If he pays $9.99 for the Hulk Hogan skin. So talk to your kids about the business model. When Pokemon Go came out, and my kids got nuts about it, there were still data plans. There wasn't unlimited data. So you had to say you could only play for 20 minutes a day. Tell them why. Fortnite. 2018 had 2.4 billion in revenues. Now it's down to 1.8 billion. Some of the closest players <clears throat> in this world of revenue: Pokemon Go, League of Legends, Dungeon Fighter Online, Crossfire, Honor of Kings, Fate Grand Order, Fortnite. If you know those games, you probably have way too much time on your hands. Maybe you're not working. Maybe you're in a hospital room recovering from uh, amnesia. I don't know. Weren't those the greatest movies? Talking about a great childhood of, of wonderful to, uh, toys. But uh, the movies where someone's like, I don't know who I am. And you're like, okay, it's okay, Rebecca. I'll stay by your side. You used to love me, Rebecca. You'll love me again. You're like, Rebecca. So in 2018, Fortnite's revenue was ridiculous. 2019, it's starting to come down. It's starting to culminate. It's starting to pass. And you can find it in other areas too, like hours spent playing. This is data that's all kind of out there. You go, well, is it Wall Street data? It's not. But if you could invest in a company that has seen hours played go from 58 million uh, to 80 million to 81 million hours to 83 million to 97 million, you kind of see the growth, right? The numbers don't lie to you. So Fortnite's still king for now, but it's going to lose its, its, its luster at some point. <clears throat> in, the, in the end, though, they're also trying to build a community. You can play with your friends. You can talk with your friends. You can now video chat with your friends. You can now audio chat with your friends in a group. And they're encouraging it. Uh, with all the skins you could put together, and skins are just the avatars. There's probably, I don't know, if I were to guess, 20 a season. So there's probably 200 of them out there. Um, and I don't know that to be true. But my son was showing me, like, there's a fashion show now. <clears throat> You're saying fashion show. Yeah, be, these people set up a server and they'll say, you know, 100 people can come in and they have a virtual shotgun. And as you march through, <clears throat> you try to pick, like, all your funniest costumes or the best that look together or the, the ones that are the scariest. And you have to dance for the judges. So there's now a talent show based on what your skins look like and whether or not you can dance and make the judges happy. And if they're not happy, they shoot you and you die and you're out of the game. It's ridiculous. But it's a social thing that my my kids like, I want to do a fashion show. It consumes his time. It consumes his eyeballs. It consumes his revenue. A fashion show in virtual reality. Are you kidding me? I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, more. Find me online at newfocusfinancial.com.